0: this is after the snow your new favorite podcast at least for some of you guys who figured it out the rest of you know you'll be coming along soon I'm your <laughs> the
1: smart, you know. ones. The smart ones. <laughs> I'm your we co only, We only want the
0: smart ones. That's right. I I'm, I'm your co-host Dave Mays and along with me of course is my my partner Freeway Rick Ross. What's up Rick?
1: Man, I'm good, Dave. How you?
0: Good, man. Feeling good. Things are things are moving.
1: Yes, yes, yes. you know. It's been, been been tough this week, man. I had a long weekend, man. A lot of traveling as usual. I guess everybody know I'm gonna be somewhere in the air, but not this week. Though I'm I'm, I'm taking off this week. I'm I'm gonna stay home for a couple days. Okay. Enjoy enjoy L.A. Man, it was hot down in Virginia. Man, they they hot down there. Man.
0: Poof. Oh, I heard the temperatures were, were what close to 100 man. out there or 90s?
1: Over 100. It was over 100 one or two days. Man, 106 or something like that. There. I mean, and the humidity. You know, like. It's one thing to be hot, but then you would be sweating, and you know, like sweat dripping off of you. You know, you got to go shower two, three right. times a day. Well,
0: on on that note, I got to talk about the Chicago summertime because Chicago summer is amazing so far. You can get a little look out the window here at the beautiful sky and skyline, but the but out this side, when I look out this window, I'm looking at the lake, uh, Lake Michigan, and a lot of people who've never been here don't realize like Michigan is like the ocean. Like you know that thing, ginormous. It's is enormous. huge. It goes forever. It's not like a, a regular lake, and we have literal beaches, nice sand beaches, just a few blocks from where I'm 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 uh, sitting right now, and and you get amazing breeze off the lake, man. We've had some, you know, the, some days have been hot, but the evenings have been like amazing, and the city just comes alive in the summertime too. everybody's out and about. There's so much to do so many different activities, man. So
1: man, I saw you with, uh, with my folks, man, gangsta boo.
0: Yes. Yes. I wanted to mention that. Yeah. I made it out uh, on Saturday to uh, what they call the C number picnic. Um, They've been doing that for many years out here. The the C number prisoners, uh, I'm not sure I'm explaining it exactly right, but they're, people that were convicted in the seventies and were given these C numbers and, you know, it, it made it extremely difficult for them to get, uh, paroled or, you know, the type of, uh, you know, opportunities, uh, like that, that, that they should have. And so a lot of them have gotten out, but Larry Hoover, I I believe is one of the C number prisoners in the seventies from his original uh, murder case in 73. Um, So there's a lot of, a lot of really good people that come out to that picnic every year. Um, I've met some people that I hadn't met before. Um, one, uh, one in particular is the son of David Barksdale. Um, a lot of people may not know David Barksdale, but David Barksdale was the founder in the late sixties here in Chicago of the, um, the devil disciples. And uh, his group and Larry Hoover's group initially were kind of rivals. Larry Hoover had the Supreme Gangsters and David had the Devil Disciples. They ended up coming together and joining forces to form the Gangster Disciples in the early 70s. Um, And David Barksdale, unfortunately, died in 74, um, shortly after they had formed their partnership was king larry and king david and uh so you know it's really important to the history of of you know street organizations in this city and the divide between the uh, bds and the gds that you still hear going on to this day a lot of people trace it back to you know around that time of david barksdale's death so his son was there um little d i got a chance to meet him and he's gonna get involved with the podcast story that we're working on for for larry hoover so that'll be really really important to get his And that
1: podcast gonna be off the change man i can't wait yeah man i I love larry's story anyway you know uh uh, out of all american gangsters uh excluding myself you know i like (laughs) larry's the best man uh um i was intrigued by his story uh and, and, and not only because, you know, I was in jail with quite a few dudes that, that was in his organization. You know, I, I was, I was, uh, on the same basketball team as Poteet, who was a lieutenant. And, uh, like, you know, Bible and yep. he studied in the law library every day. So, uh, I, I had a chance to read their paperwork and, 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 you know, look at their case. And it was very, very intriguing to me. So, uh, I love that story. I want to hear more. I want to know more, you know, uh, about what, what took place.
0: Yeah. I mean, people really don't know, don't know or appreciate, you know, I think the depth and importance of what he evolved into with growth and development in the eighties and nineties and the whole political movement that he established um, and his whole plan to help reshape Urban communities. Um, I think you know things would be very different had he been allowed to continue with the the uh, movement that he had been building. And most of that information is just nowhere to be found. Um, people only you know they've painted him into such a narrow box. Um, You know, for years and years, the media, the police and law enforcement and prosecutors putting out, you know, one thing after another, after another. And they've muzzled him all these these years. You know, once they put him in the feds out there in the supermax, like he can't talk to nobody, can't do interviews, he can't get his words out because they censor him or threaten him you know it's it's. That brings up,
1: you know that brings up another thing you know right now we got this this feud going on between Wack 100 and uh and jay prince over this footage that this lady uh filmed when they were allowing journalists to still go inside of the prisons um i don't know if you heard about that but there's a feud sure. going on there's definitely going on over, the, over the internet for quite quite some time right now uh, yes and that's because you know after 9-11 they stop allowing federal prisoners to uh uh to do interviews. I'm lucky that that all oh, my stuff hit the hit the fan before 9/11 happened because had it wouldn't uh you know all the interviews that I was able to do 60 minutes 2020 20, and all those nightline and you know all the interviews I did I probably wouldn't have been allowed to do them. Uh it would have been very hard. It probably would have took something like a presidential letter or something to uh to get get those interviews because now you used to have the freedom of speech, and and that meant that any time that you had a, a way to get your message out, you were allowed to do that. But after 9/11, uh, they they took that away from inmates. You know where, where now you're not allowed to speak to the media. It used to be mandatory that if a media a news person came and they they could show their credentials that they was uh, work for a legitimate news company, they were allowed to come in and interview you. You know, uh, I can only imagine. Uh, uh, now, you know, what stories, I mean, even, I probably wouldn't have the the, the footage from, from my documentary, you know, in my documentary, Jesse Catch came down and interviewed me, and he recorded the conversation, well, if I was, now, he wouldn't allow, you know, they wouldn't allow Jesse Katz to get that information, so, uh, um, and, I, and I think that that's something for them to, to actually be able to silence our inmates, you know, because the First Amendment right was given so that we could talk about the injustices or, or things that's going wrong in the prisons or things that need fixing, you know, now a a person could get beat up in prison by the police and nobody would never know because they are not allowed to talk to the media.
0: Yeah. Yeah. No, that's, that's definitely a, a big issue among others, you know, in terms of just the way, you know, black men in particular are perceived, you know, these, The idea of redemption i think is something that that america doesn't really embrace particularly when it comes to black folks and black men in particular you know we've been projected this imagery for so many years um of the negativity and kind of brainwashing people to the way like people don't understand that there's you know so many incredible people that are incarcerated we all you know make mistakes in life Um, And we're all in different circumstances. So those mistakes, you know, can lead to different outcomes. But um, at the end of the day, there's some brilliant uh, people such as yourself uh, and others who have been incarcerated. And, you know, it, it, it shouldn't be thought of like like, you know, these people can't change and they're they're, you know, can't contribute anything, that type of thing.
1: That's a good point, Dave, because, you know, like one of the things that, that I noticed from doing my time that over time, my life kept changing, you know, every couple of years, my, my mentality would change to something different. You know, sometimes I would be angry, you know, at the system for keeping me so long, and then I would say, shouldn't it be a time where if a person developed into a certain <laughs> level of consciousness, uh, shouldn't there be some type of a test or some type of evaluation? where sensible people, not not these people who they got on, on parole boards now, these people are definitely insensitive. You know, remind me of my OPO. You know, this guy was definitely insensitive to me. I, I had an opportunity to go speak at Harvard University, but since they called me and wanted me to show up within three days, and normally it takes two weeks to get approval, he said no. And I'm saying, well, how could you divide, do, 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 deprive a person of what, in, in my case, I felt was an opportunity of a lifetime, you know, to get to speak at one of the most prestigious colleges in, in in the country. But that's the way our system is set up. You know, there's no, like you said, no redemption. Yeah, I mean, the criminal justice
0: system in America is just, I mean, it's rotten to the core, all levels of it, you know, I would say. So, you know, it needs a complete overhaul. Um, you know like like our uh police departments uh do so um with that being said before we get to i still want to hear a little bit about what you did but i want to mention one other thing i think it'd be interesting just to bring up um so i i created an organization uh two years ago in 2020 with uh, a good friend and colleague of mine bakari katwana uh bakari uh is a very accomplished uh editor author writer public speaker uh activist and he worked with me at the source in the 1990s for you know many years did some incredible work there and has done all this other great stuff but we started something called the hip-hop political education summit um and this is an organization that we want to um, you know, educate uh, the hip hop community of all races and generations, you know, on the political process and how we can use hip hop as a culture to uh, help create change in our communities. Um, and so we did a couple of virtual summits with uh, some amazing speakers, different artists from. Bun B and, uh, one from dead Prez, And I mean, it's a long list of, of artists and Cornell West and, uh, Michael Eric Dyson and Senator Cory Booker, all these different people participated and, um, we're doing another one that uh, we're going to announce soon. That's going to take place in September. Um, and one of the kind of focuses this time around is, you know, we all you know everybody got out the vote in 2020 to elect biden and get trump out of office but the reality is you know all these promises that were made of things that were going to happen nothing's gotten done you know which you know some of us know is par for the course with this political system uh that that we've had but it's like where does that leave us because you know the voting. There is power in voting, particularly if we can get organized and we have the right leadership uh, you know, involved. But um, it's also, you, know, uh, you know, the question of why vote if, if nothing's going to change? and what, what, how do we deal with this reality? So that's going to be part of the focus of this summit, different discussions we're going to have uh, about that. And you know, Larry Hoover was very much focused around voting and in this day and age where voter suppression is, is so, um, you know, prominent and recognize, being recognized finally. Um, you know, I just thought it was, you know, it was a timely thing to mention. And since we were talking about all that stuff and see what you, your take is.
1: Yeah, definitely. Let me know. I would love to go there. Uh, you're absolutely correct, but it, it's so much to, 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 these politics, man, you know, uh, you know, one yeah. of the, one of the, the the things I watch on TV is CNN, and uh, what what I've noticed is they talk some about this filibuster. You know, even if you have the numbers in Congress and the Senate, you still can't pass any laws because of the filibuster. Uh, so so I, I don't totally understand that all that together, but I'm definitely with going to a summit to 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 anything to to better. To better myself but you know uh, you know i i tell i tell all my friends it don't matter who in the white house my kids still got to eat so you know i still got to come up with ways to uh uh to maneuver uh even under the the, the, the worst situations that that may pop up so
0: um yeah um uh, sorry rick i was looking at something somebody is missing their uh, schedule and they're hitting me in the middle of my podcast. So I apologize <laughs> to you and everybody else. But um let's um let's go let's get back to um you know to tell us quickly about uh your your week. I know you you were in Virginia, you mentioned but you were like in a deep part of Virginia and a very historic part of Virginia. So I want folks to hear a little bit about that.
1: Yeah, we were down in, in what they call Lansburgh, and uh, this is the country of uh, Willie Lynch. You know, uh, I don't know if people heard about Willie Lynch, but Willie Lynch uh, came up with a formula of how to train a slave, you know, uh, and how to separate slaves. And, and it was crazy that uh, that I was in that town, and, and then I had to do a speech at the club that night. So, uh, you know, I, I kind of lightly touched on uh, how that teaching had separated Black people and, and caused the, the division that we still have today, you know, where he taught the, 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 the field workers not to trust the, the house and the house ones not to trust the light ones and the light ones not to trust the dark ones and just to have that separation. And, and we talked about uh, basically in my speech about how important it is for us all to start working together and, and lending a hand, even, even if there's no money in it for yourself. You know, um, one of my things that, that I've learned, if, if you build it, the people will come. And the only way you can build it is by working. You know, one of my saying is that uh, the only place that success comes before work is in the dictionary. So we got we to gotta keep working. <laughs> I left uh, Virginia and went to Mississippi, man. So <laughs> I was in the thick of it. I was in uh, Marinia, Mississippi. Uh, one of my friends bought a, a a resort down there with a golf course on it and Nice. Uh, yeah, we we gonna we gonna try to lay that out. You know, uh, what's what's man. your golf?
0: What's your golf game like? You you got any? I
1: never I never gone before, man. Yeah. Me
0: neither. Me neither. We gotta take some lessons. And well, now and we got now we got to reason
1: to golf now, man. Yeah,
0: yeah.
1: <laughs> I had to invite you down. We go down and just hang out and and hit some balls, man, and relax. So yeah, that was pretty much my weekend, man. Um, been been really really busy. You know, things are looking yeah. good. Uh, uh on the boxing tip and think i got the money to finish my my, my marijuana grow so nice about that you know met a couple hedge fund guys uh that that say that they can put the money where, where we need it and, uh, great and get moving forward man that's
0: what's up that's what's up so um i got
1: a meeting today. you know when i leave today after this meeting i'm going downtown to city hall about giving me my license so i can open up my dispensary You know, I haven't opened my dispensary yet. I've been having my license for two years and the city hasn't, uh, hasn't given me my, my permit to to open my doors. You know, I'm like, come on, man, let me open my doors. Let me sell some weed.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Please. Uh, I hope, I hope that gets, gets moving.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So
0: you ready to get into the snowfall, man? Yeah. Let's talk about it. We, We, you know, it's a brand new season. Uh, we, we wrapped up, uh, episode 10 episodes of season one last week and now we're jumping into season two um starts off they say like four months after the last season has ended um and uh just to kind of recap the end of season one uh teddy killed his man alejandro he got with the colombians directly now and he's getting encouragement from the government to keep doing what he's doing uh so he's figuring out his new operation at the end of season one also and lucia make the big move where they kill her uncle aligned with the guy stomper and his gang and uh that's a big you know uh, turn of events at the end of season one um uh, they kill lenny uh Franklin and the guys kill Lenny so they kind of get in the clear of any outstanding beef and the money's rolling in and that's kind of where season 1 ends Franklin's mom is is kind of upset though she's she's found out to some extent what he's doing and the shooting of Leon shook her up so that's going to be definitely something we'll we'll watch in season 2 um so yeah what what um I got some thoughts but let me hear what was your initial take on, on season two, episode one sight lines.
1: <laughs> well, you know, with the raid at, at, at Avi's house, definitely was, was, was the highlight of, of, of the show, you know, with, uh, uh, uh Franklin wind up getting away and, and, uh, um, uh, um, Leon going to jail and Avi's in jail as well. You know, that was very interesting kind of, you know, and, 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 and I felt that, maybe they took a little bit of that from that from my story you know because i talk about it in my book not where we got raided but when ivan gets shot um there was a period of time that i didn't have anybody i can get drugs from because i didn't know nobody else uh, hmm. so so they kind of go through a little similar a little similar talk bears was through a raid you know where ivy goes to prison uh but that was that was interesting to me um yeah. Yeah. Where else do we go from there? So, um, well,
0: just on, on that, uh, that's interesting. So you said, who who was it that got
1: shot and you had uh, had to deal with a supply issue? My guy, Ivan. Okay. Yeah. His wife had, had caught him cheating and shot him in the back and paralyzed him. So he he was in the hospital for about nine months. You know, he, went, he was in Los Alamitos. I'm looking for him all over, all over, right? I can't find him, but he's in the hospital. And so one day... Uh, I guess he muster up the strength, you know, to, to be able to call me. So was this before you met Danilo? Yeah, this was before I met Danilo. Had, had Ivan, had Ivan, when, when, when I was working with Ivan was, was really, I I almost had the game to myself during that time. I mean, I was, was making money hand over fist, you know, like un, uncompeted, you know, no competition at all money. You know, I could do whatever I wanted to do. Hmm. Uh, when when he got shot, those nine months, uh, some people caught up. You know, even though I still I still had some nice gaps though. You know, uh, when when I started dealing with Danilo, was after Ivan had mustered up the strength. You know, to to get back in touch with me. Uh, he, I've been tried to run, run the business from a wheelchair and, and from his bed, but it, it was, it was a too tough, uh, and then his brother-in-law wind up selling Danilo to me.
0: So, yeah, we see Franklin is kind of scrambling in this episode once the raid happens and, uh, they're like, well, damn, you know, <laughs> we're selling this stuff like hotcakes and now where the hell are we going to get it from? Everybody's trying to figure out, some type of connect and the let the, the last idea uh right before the end is franklin says we're going to drive up to oakland we're going to go see that that guy the rizza um who turned them on to the crack cocaine uh last season and we're going to see if we can get some some product from him and and supply from there but uh so what did you what did you you know how, how did you handle that before you heard from ivan what, what were you able to do
1: all right, we start running around the city looking for stuff. And, and during that time, I wind up buying uh, $80,000 worth of cake mix. You know, the guy uh, the guy came in to the house. You know, we had one of those square face moments. I got my guys out. I got two guys sitting out in the car, you know, watching the door. And then I got my, I think I had two guys. I think me, Tone Tone, and somebody else might have been in the house. And uh, I had the money and the guy walks in the door with a bag and uh, I said, give me the stuff. And he said, give me the money. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah.
0: That sounds like Scarface.
1: (laughs) Yeah. So uh, I said, let me see the stuff. He said, let me see the money. So my dude who, who was one of Ivan's friends, and I, 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 I thought that he, he, he ran like a little clothing store, you know, where he sold clothes and stuff like that, a like sweat shop. And, and I felt good about him. Cause you know, I'd done business in this shop a couple of times with Ivan, so, uh, he grabbed the money out of my hand and went to the door and gave it to dude. So when he did that dude dropped the bag and took off out the door. So I ran over, grabbed a bag and looked at it. I said, man, this ain't no dope. <laughs> so I run out the door after me, he'd have a car sitting outside. He jump in the car, take off. My guys smoking weed or something. I don't know what they doing, but they slipping on their on they pimping. So I jump in the car. Come on, man. We chasing the dude. We, we chasing him through the city. Oh, wow. Yeah, he running red lights and, and all kinds. So he wind up getting away. But my guys who were sitting in the car, they ran in and grabbed Tony. So when I finished chasing dude, I get with them. They got Tony at one of our spots. I get there. They done whoop Tony up. Tony head all knotted up, bloody. And mm. I said, hold up, man. Uh, y'all slow down. They fin- they about to kill Tony. I said, no, don't kill Tony, man. He, he, uh, I don't think he had nothing to do with it. Hmm. You know, I couldn't see him uh, allowing somebody to grab the money and and leave him sitting there with us. You know, I just, right. it, didn't sit, it didn't sit right with me. So uh, I took Tony home. You know, and, and told him I was sorry what happened, and he's ah I'm, I'm gonna pay you back, I'm gonna get your money. Hmm. Uh, so he take me to the guy's house that that you know the dude had packed up and and, and left to Puerto Rico or somewhere. Man, he was out the country. Oh wow! Know? And then uh when when finally when I got back with Ivan, Ivan had ho- had heard the whole story, and he's like, yeah, that guy that guy took off on you, man. But uh, yeah, that was just one one incident right. that happened to me, man. Okay. I got beat out about eighty thousand. I bought eighty I should have took that, I didn't even take a, <laughs> make a cake with that cake mix.
0: <laughs> Could have made a lot of a lot of cakes with that. <laughs> I should have
1: took it and sold
0: it. <laughs> oh, oh now speaking of, of of cakes and snacks, another thing they show um at the beginning of this episode, they show the guys at the house, you know, cooking it up and packaging it and they're putting it in. Uh, potato chip uh, bags and Frito bags and stapling them up, and then I guess they're selling the uh, crack in the potato chip bags off the ice cream truck. Yeah, so.
1: yeah, yeah, yeah. That's... I mean, it was too fast for all that. You, you, I mean, the police wasn't fucking with nobody. You didn't have no reason to hide it, you know. And, and in the beginning, Dave, the neighbors didn't care. Hmm. See, our neighbors used to let us sell crack it was only after it started getting out of control. You know, like guys would come by shooting and, and right. you know, fighting. And, you know, just it got – it got the, the gang element got into it. You know, first it wasn't – you know, when I got in, Dave, I was a young dude to get in. I got in at 19, so I was dealing with dudes who was like 35, 40, 50 years old. You know, they was like – you know, they was players. Yeah. But one of the things that I did is I allowed – younger dudes to get involved. You know, I started bringing in dudes 16, 17, 14, and then, you know, it just got to a point to where, where anybody could get involved. You know, we had systems set up to where uh, you could elevate your game on your own. You really didn't need no whole lot of money. You know, 50 bucks, 100 bucks, you was in the game. Got it. So, so you know, everybody started getting in. So no, no potato chip bags. Well, ice cream trucks. It really took too much time, you know what I'm saying? To, to <laughs> do it. Dave, the way we had it, you walk on the right. street, you can have a half a key, a quarter key of cocaine, and it might be gone in 15 minutes. Wow. You didn't have no time to be looking for no tater chip bags. <laughs> Listen, we would go to the supermarket and we would buy all the bacon soda they had. My guys didn't like going to the supermarket buying bacon soda because people would be looking at you crazy like, what the fuck they doing with all that baking soda? Right. You, know, you would come out the supermarket with a whole shopping bag, cart full of baking soda. Wow. So Under Armour, Under Armour was involved too. <laughs> <laughs> I'm they were sure. conspirators. conspirators Under oh. Armour was coca conspirators baby. Yeah, they had to I be. I bet they knew what was going on. You know all Under right. Armour knew what was all that baking soda was going on, man. <laughs> <laughs> uh yeah so 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 that was definitely definitely uh you know some make-believe stuff for somebody who, who definitely wasn't in the streets
0: got it yeah um so what else happens on this episode um oh oh um d-ray makes his debut you know he's a new character in this season our boy d-ray davis um aka peaches um that was nice to see
1: oh yeah with the attempted robbery
0: yeah yeah yes. they
1: yes
0: d-ray took two guys out man
1: yeah yeah that was it happened so quick you know it really wasn't a whole lot to that you know no 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 planning no schemes just you know two people tried to break in the house um i didn't really i didn't really get much out of it you know um one of the things that did we did learn is that, that uh, you know, Franklin said they gotta they gotta dig holes that digging take a long time. So he let us know that he had dug a hole before and buried the body in, in in that scene. So um,
0: That's true. Yeah. That was
1: that was, you know, kind of catchy. Um what is yeah,
0: it was the it was the one of the bail bondsman dudes and his brother that tried to rob them. Um uh, I don't know if you saw that.
1: Oh yeah, 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 I remember now. Yeah, because they was talking about that Franklin didn't want him to know how much money he had. Right. When he was at the Bells bombing. But yeah. at that time he's talking about they only had $40,000, so it ain't like they got a whole lot of money. You know, All Franklin right. mentioned that they they had 40 Gs. Uh so they didn't have no whole lot of money. It Ain't like they was you know, had no millions at that time.
0: <laughs> right. Right.
1: But I guess 40 Uh-oh. Gs was enough to 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 go and rob them for it.
0: So I think another um another interesting thing I thought about with this um with this episode was with Teddy. Um I mean it was kind of like they were very heavy on the political spin. The thing opens up with Ronald Reagan's speech and, you know, this is we gotta preserve freedom in Central America and this is the most important thing to keep the Soviets out of there and you know, if we win this war, we can change the course of history and all the hype about, you know, this Nicaragua, uh, you know, war and it's, and the U.S. involvement in that. But um, what we learn is this is the point where the funding gets cut by Congress and uh, his CIA uh, contact, his boss calls him and basically says, look, it's all on you. You got to come up with. 21 million a year or whatever, but there's no more direct connect between you and anything official from the CIA, even me and you, you know, can't have any direct connections anymore. So this is where they kind of play into this idea. I think that came out with, you know, around Danilo and all that stuff that, you know, the CIA had no knowledge.
1: This this one here definitely tinkered on, on my story a lot you know even like you said from the start with ronald reagan uh i mean this is all nicaraguan contra this is all my stuff my case is the only case that ever been tied to to this whole scenario that that they're talking about in this story so right uh, at the very least they took that from my story <laughs>
0: <laughs> well we know they took a lot more than that We yeah know.
1: we do we do we do but sure. uh, i'm just saying at the very least you know that, that this is obvious uh uh
0: parts of mine um whatever let's talk i guess last about um lucia and also because they're making some moves now they're getting their product from teddy they're involved i guess in helping teddy's new distribution where they have people in Mexico. Did, they,
1: did you see how they hooked up with teddy
0: um yeah i mean they had they had been hooked up with with teddy right i think they had already started dealing with teddy um last season if I'm did not they, right. I, I didn't so. remember
1: i didn't remember seeing and that was interesting to me how did they hook up with teddy because i'm still i'm still tripping off of how teddy and, and and franklin just hook up you know teddy runs into his car and right now and he kidnaps him and right you know, that's interesting a- to see the next show how you know how this relationship Bills from there, like, motherfucker, you know, right. running to my car and, and <laughs> telling me, and now you talking about you want me to buy some dope from you, you know. Uh, <laughs> yeah. the way we do it is we went and, and tell him, motherfucker, we're going to pay you to introduce me to that dude, man. You know, take me to your leader. I'm going to give you $60,000 and take me to the leader. Right, right. So, you know, running the car doors and knocking people out and all that, you know.
0: That was wild, yeah, that was that. I, that. Guess,
1: I guess, and I, I don't remember him meeting Lucia and them, and Oso. You know, I, I, I've right. been waiting on that, the introduction, you know, like, how did right. how did this relationship come about? Well, where,
0: where was Lucia getting the cocaine from? Um, where were they getting it from last year? I mean, last season?
1: I don't remember where they got it from. I don't think they ever showed us uh, uh, where they were getting it from. Did they? I don't remember that. I'm
0: not, I'm not sure, but the other thing that I was also a little questioning was You know, Lucia has the crack rock in a little baggie she's carrying around and she's got samples of it. And I'm trying to figure out when did they get turned on to the crack rock? Because I think last season they were just dealing with the powder coke and bringing it to um, Stomper. That was their whole thing with Stomper was the powder coke connection. Um, But they didn't know about the crack. So I don't know how she came up on this crack rock, and how do they know how to even make it at this point? And then they make the decision: we're not gonna fuck with Stomper. We're gonna go to these other, this other gang, this other Mexican cartel, I guess, and we're gonna deal with them because I guess they feel like they'll make more money with the crack with them, and you know they don't want to bring that to Stomper. So that was kind of, you know, a bold, you know, move there
1: yeah yeah I, I mean it's 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 they they lose they leave a lot of loose ends i believe in in telling the story um but you know we'll see where they, where they where they go with it you know i i'll be lost sometimes with with some of the the moves you know they just don't they don't pan out to, to yeah. make good common sense
0: um so yeah it ends teddy like you said kidnaps franklin we'll see where that goes and And Pedro shows up, uh, Lucia's cousin. Uh, He's got a beard and mustache. I guess he's been out of the picture for these four months. Now he pops back up. You know, they done killed his dad uh, four months ago. So who knows what that's all about. I guess we'll we'll have to wait next week and and see what happens. Yeah, I can't wait. Um, Last thing that's in the news this week that is kind of related to, since, you know, we're talking obviously a lot about crack and the impact of crack. Um, have you heard about the the new Showtime documentary on the Supreme team out of, out of Queens, New York?
1: No, I didn't hear about it.
0: Okay. Yeah. Nas basically directed and produced this three-part docuseries. It's on Showtime. You know about uh, Kenneth Supreme McGriff?
1: Absolutely.
0: Sure. So he had the Supreme team uh in Queens in the eighties and they were, you know, heavily involved. I was was in
1: jail with a couple of them. Okay. Yeah, I know some of the Supreme team. Okay. I I knew Prince. I knew Prince very well.
0: Well Prince is actually the central part of this documentary. He they have a long series of conversations that they recorded with him, I guess, over the phone from prison. So he's kind of narrating and telling his story uh, from what i've seen so far i haven't got you know very far into it yet um but uh they did have supreme's voice on there but so far only a little bit it's mostly been prince i think he was the main impetus behind how they put this documentary together but um yeah maybe maybe check it out or we'll both finish watching it and talk a oh, little definitely, bit about definitely. it
1: definitely you know prince was my guy up and he was at Park with me for for 18 months i stayed in Park. Me and him i got to be pretty cool mm-hmm. uh it was a couple more guys on, on the supreme team that was there but prince was the most visible and and, and probably the most vocal on, on the yard so uh i would definitely watch that knowing that that he had something to do with it yeah where where's lompoc uh northern california okay right on the coast they had him all the way out in california yeah, well, you know, when some guys... Prince is one of those guys, you know, uh, he carries a lot of weight in the pen, and they they tend to put them in areas where they don't have as much influence. You know, they figure if he was on the East Coast, he would have too much influence. Yeah. So they move him to the West Coast, where his influence is not as, as, uh-huh. as strong. I get it. Uh, but, you know, Lompoc was, was a, a crip and blood yard, you know, in yeah. and, and, uh, uh, Southsiders. You know, those, those were the, the gangs that really... Uh, where's the most power and Mm -hmm. so they would want prince to be out here because if he was in new york you know his strength would be too strong got it because he was strong in lompoc hmm yeah prince was prince a rider hmm
0: yeah definitely check it out check it out we'll talk about it maybe next next week um so um let's let's wrap up i mean it's another another good you know episode another good conversation with you rick um
1: you That's know glad glad yeah, glad we get to do this every week. I've been hearing about that funny Marco, man. They said that funny Marco is crazy. I got to go I got to go online and watch it right now. Uh,
0: we yeah, we probably having the single biggest viral moment for Breakbeat yet. Literally this morning and last night when we dropped the uh Orlando Brown funny Marco clip and man everybody's sharing it all the major platforms everywhere people are talking about it so it's it's, it's great yeah shout out to to marco man he's he's an, an incredible talent and uh he's doing his thing and this is just the start yeah all You right. ended end it here all right we'll see y'all next week after the snow dave mays freeway rick ross you know, you know how we, we you know how we do
1: peace <laughs> uh.